Hello and welcome to A Word of Advice, a podcast series in association with Brooks McDonald. I'm Katrin Schindler from CityWire and with me today are Isabel Chinjo, Investment Director at Brooks McDonald and Tom Fleming, who's a Wealth Manager at Investment Quorum. We'll be talking about all things decumulation today, from the perfect pace of drawing down retirement funds to the characteristics of a good decumulation strategy. So, Izzy, Tom, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's start with the first question, which is um, decumulation in general refers to the stage in your life when you withdraw money from your investments and your savings, basically. But studies show that most people actually hold on to their assets instead of converting them to income. So that raises the question, why is that the case? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. And, um, you know, if we think about excluding 2022 and part of 2020, um, prior to that, the last 10, 15 years since the global financial crisis, investment performance has been, you know, relatively strong and stable, you know, give or take a few, a few periods of volatility. So clients who have been taking a, a natural steady income from their portfolio perhaps haven't had to worry so much. Um, how that then differs is if we have a year, you know, like last year and more volatility going forward, um, that's when, you know, we'll come on to the risks in decumulation um, and how that can affect a client's portfolio long term. But I think Part of it is sort of a planning process and perhaps um, people almost, you know, sticking their head in the stand a bit about, you know, what's going to happen in the future. And, you know, thinking about my parents, they didn't just, you know, sit down one day and decide, right, that's it. I'm retired. Where's my money? I'm going to go on my cruise around the world. Um, and at Brooks McDonald, we look at decumulation clients um, as, you know, that's only part of the journey. So I think about it like a mountain. You don't just fall off a cliff, you know, when you retire. And it's all about that upward trajectory, making sure that, you know, five, six, seven years pre-retirement, you're having those conversations with your advisor to see what the plan might look like, you know, what sort of um, outflows you might have, where do you want to spend your cash and when, um, so that it's uh, an easier transition rather than just having to, you know, panic and think about, you know, what your portfolio looks like and how you're going to draw an income from it on day one. This is exactly right. I think you know the process that she's describing is is almost sort of what we'd call a, a pre-decumulation phase of clients' lives. Um, there are a range of uncertainties, not just investment risk that that Izzy alluded to, but also in terms of the shift from traditional defined benefit pensions uh, and the risks that those entail in terms of from from a longevity perspective. Also in terms of social care. Uh, later life costs. You've seen sort of the FCA come in with consumer duty and vulnerability and what that means for advisors, particularly around decumulation. The, the, the interesting points about when Izzy was mentioning about her parents is completely true. It's, we'd very rarely find a review meeting with a client where they haven't built up over whether it's sort of six months or a couple of years to that tip of the mountain, tip of the cliff, um, retirement. Okay, now I'm decumulating. How do I go and do it? It's a conversation that starts it has to start because of the, the the intricacies and the difficulties involved in the process from an advisor's perspective years beforehand. Um, so I think I think it's not just accumulating to decumulating overnight. It's 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 all about how do you put in place as advisors the right structures and the right conversations to be having with each individual client as they reach their particular chosen ages to start winding down. What challenges do you find? Or do you have when you have the conversation about decumulation with your clients, for example? I think it largely revolves around competing priorities. 
uh, and competing demands. Um, Izzy alluded to the fact that, you know, in terms of when clients might need to draw on a, a particularly large sum, I mean, the image of a, of a cruise ship works for the purposes of this in terms of a, a one-off expense that clients might have been particularly talking about for a long period of time. W- you know, when that might be is part of the process of trying to find out, well, in terms of, you know, grouping together assets and, and potentially liabilities and working out exactly when that, that we might need to draw on that capital and taking appropriate investment decisions on the on, on the back of that. Um, it's a very interesting question because every client will have different priorities and different um, key objectives that they want to get out, particularly in in the in the first phase of decumulation. I think that's um, you know, COVID notwithstanding in sort of an ordinary world we tend to find that clients have a really clear idea about the first five years or even the first 10 years of of retirement or a form of retirement. What becomes more challenging is trying to have those conversations around what might come next. Um, and that all ties it in terms of how we, how we set up portfolios to meet those to meet those different needs. That actually leads me nicely to my next question. Izzy, what does a good decumulation strategy look like? I mean, Tom alluded to the fact that clients have a quite a clear idea about the first five years but after that what happens then um we look at it in terms of you know short-term and long-term pots or objective um in portfolios and for us short term is sort of the next seven years the reason for that is we've done a lot of work and research on your best and worst case scenario for a client so your lucky and unlucky investor um i think we've all had those where you know one client is just nothing's gone right it's the worst time or you know an investment um, that you've got in the portfolio isn't performed as you expected or, or whatever it might be so you know what does that look like if you're a client that's had you know the worst possible luck at the start of your portfolio um, and you know how that affects your long-term objectives in terms of being able to dr- continually draw an income from it and that's in a roundabout way discussing what sequencing risk is so the order of returns and you know when you take an income so if you're had the, if you've had the worst possible luck um, and you're taking an income from your portfolio you might be taking um, money out of a portfolio that's down 10 20 percent you know very much like you know 2022 returns so as part of what we think a success successful strategy looks like is trying to protect those first few years which are most crucial in terms of if you've got volatility within that you know long-term portfolio made up of equities or whatever um, where can we secure the income elsewhere it's so that if you have a period where portfolio is down we're not having to draw from it um, and we can you know take income from elsewhere so that over time and our research has shown that seven years is kind of the magic number from the worst possible start. After seven years, you'd make a positive return. So protecting those early years in a decumulation strategy is really important um, because, you know, we'll probably come on to some of the other risks. You know, longevity risk is a is a massive one in terms of um, is your pot going to last you? Um with care fees or you know what you want to do with your portfolio as Tom probably know better than I am most people's pension portfolios are underfunded you know they're relying on other assets potentially houses or, or whatever so making sure that in your decumulation strategy you have some sort of plan to protect you know the initial phase um, from any volatility or negative returns I think is will make for an, a successful strategy. Mm-hmm. Tom, coming to you, do clients actually know what 
things like sequencing risks mm. or longevity risk are. Yeah, really. And no, this is exactly right. And actually, I've, I've looked at the, the research that Brooks McDonald did on sequencing risk, and it's really useful. And um, simply, no, I don't think clients understand sequencing risk. I wouldn't blame them for. It's a, it's a pretty horrible jargon term. Um, and we'll come on to more of those, I'm sure, as we talk about decumulating, particularly from pensions. I think, you know, if we sit, if we sit clients down and start talking about UF plus and GAR and GAD rates and BCEs, <laughs> yeah, that you can see the glaze going immediately. <laughs> so, and I don't blame them for that. Um, for clients who don't have an advisor in this area, it can be, it can be very difficult. And I think particularly over the last 12 to 18 months with investment markets is is almost, uh, and I'd be interested to hear what Izzy thinks about this, is you almost have to re-question what does, what does a defensive asset look like in a, in a, in a decumulation portfolio. And a, a lot of clients who, who or, or a lot of individuals approaching a notional retirement date in uh, in pensions will be invested in, in in lifestyling or target date funds, which effectively de-risk or reduce the equity content um, of, of of the pension investment, effectively implying that uh, an annuity purchase at some point or equivalent. Uh, and actually, you know, when you've got guilt indices down 15, 20% in a, in a calendar year, and if that's in your, as you were saying about the ba- bad luck and timing, that's a great example is is through, you know, through, through these 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 passive insofar as there's no in, interaction with an advisor rather than sort of in terms of passive investments a, a passive relationship with your retirement provision suddenly you can have a look at one statement from one year and one the next and go well hang on this is the year where I actually need to access some of these funds and and I, I thought I was going to be in sort of the safest assets that I could be um, that's that's where that's where it's there's there's no what does a good accumulation strategy look like well it's no it's no one one size fits all if there's never an intention to take an annuity suddenly you've taken a you know, twenty percent drawdown. Um, thinking you in, in sort of more inverted commas defensive assets and um, other risks. I, look, you know, Izzy spoke about you know care costs, um, longevity risk is 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 really important. I think inflation risk as well. I'd add on top of that. Yeah. I think we're probably going to talk about the four percent rule somewhere. But the idea being that um, you know you can you can take a, a natural income of four percent off your off your portfolio and then just adjust for inflation. That's proven really tricky over the past 12 to 18 months, uh, if not the past couple of years. Um, it, you know, interest rates would also be one. I'd say I think I think it, it, you, you can't disregard annuities for the right clients at the moment. Uh, we have seen more work in in annuities. As advisors, than we have probably over the past year, than we have done over the past ten, um, and it's not just the you know, enhanced annuities or or impaired annuities. It's, it's sort of regular regular annuities that clients really value. Uh, uh, you know, even if it's just a proportion of their of their of their assets in a guaranteed could be index linked um, income uh, to go to sit alongside state pension provisions. So those are the main risks. I think longevity risk is an interesting one. I th- from speaking with clients I think we're in the first kind of generation and I've unfortunately seen this with my family and looking after grandparents where they're living for a really long time unfortunately didn't quite make it to get a card from the queen or now king (laughs) Um, but having to and also having to deal with um, ongoing health issues like Alzheimer's and dementia and I could not believe the uh, cost it was you know thousands of pounds per week um, to have my grandma in a um, you know 
a specialist care facility um, for the latter years of her life, and she lived for a really long time in that care home. So luckily, they we had a you know a house to sell to provide um, you know funding for that. But I think it's definitely the first generation where my parents definitely have thought much harder about hang on have I got enough for myself if that happened to me and it's you know when we sat in front of clients that is the first one of the first kind of objectives for the pension they're not even thinking about leaving anything to kids nowadays because you know the astronomical cost of actually looking after ourselves so that's definitely I think in the the forefront of a lot of clients minds when we're thinking about decumulating from a pension asset. Lots to unpack here. <laughs> Tom, you mentioned the 4% rule, yes. which I think fits in quite nicely into this one. You said it still is kind of valid these days. It can, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the 4% rule came about um, from an American advisor or, or, or sort of researcher. It, it looked at a period of 50 years. I think it was just from around the mid-1920s to mid-1970s. That uh, might be slightly out in terms of the years there. But the general principle is if you have a what we call probably a balanced portfolio of of, of 50% in in large cap equities and 50% in government debt the idea is that if you have a if you have a uh, a decumulation phase of about 30 years or just over 30 years then you can take 4% out each year and and sort of adjust with inflation going forward as he's talked about care costs but we typically find that clients who've recently retired will spend more then they might do 10, 15 years down the line. And then obviously you do have the slight black box about social care funding and later life planning. But it's not, I, rarely do I find clients in decumulation spending exactly the same amount adjusted for inflation for every year of sort of their retirement or their, or their decumulation phase. Um, so it's so useful as a rule of thumb, yes. Um, but again, not subject to the usual investment risks, sequencing risks that we've spoken about before. Yeah. Izzy, what's your stance? Do you think 4% is still okay or should we maybe move up a bit 5%, 6%? Yeah, maybe there's an argument for that and seeing, you know, how the, if the, the rationale would still play out the same. Um, we're, you know, still seeing that as a good starting point, but also we do still have clients that come to us with um, higher expectations of what they can draw from their portfolios. Maybe because, like we say, you know, pension pots aren't um, as well funded as they potentially could have been or clients don't realise actually you need a lot more in your pen if pension fund if that's your sole asset to to retire on. So um, I think it's, yeah, it's an interesting one, especially with the year we've had in terms of inflation, um, you know, well above that. Um, whether that's going to be a long-term theme, I'm not so sure, um, but still it's something we have to um, deal with in the, in the here and now. Now you both mentioned 2022 as a kind of defining year for decumulation, what effect did it actually have on decumulation strategies? Well, it, it, was, it was a welcome reminder, I think, that there's no sort of one size fits all for decumulating in terms of an investment strategy. So more than anything, I think it's it was it was a reminder that now, as I said before, in terms of particularly looking at pensions, um, defined contribution pension schemes is, unless you're looking to annuitize, you have to have a strategy in place for mitigating uh, investment risk and volatility. It's actually, like I'm saying, it's you know a reminder of every day isn't going to be sunshine and rainbows in markets. Um, and it's quite pleasantly surprising, well not surprising, but pleasant for us now that we've got advisors coming to us and saying, you know, when you said 
that this something bad could happen and clients might need some sort of you know decumulation strategy to protect them from that well that's I quite like to speak to you about it a bit more. So um, our clients who have been in the decumulation strategy throughout 2022, we have a, a slightly different um, strategy in how you know we siphon off the pots. But the short-term portfolio, um, in brief, is um, a collection of defined return investments to secure income for the you know the next seven years of a client's withdrawal life, and the long-term portfolio, which would have felt that volatility in the markets as it's basically a you know basket of equities. We can say to the client, you don't have to worry about that long-term portfolio because we've secured your income for the here and now. Markets may be down 10, 20%, but we don't have to draw from any of that. We can let that recover as we have seen, thankfully, you know, the start of 2023 where we are now. Um, who knows what's on the horizon, but still, we still don't have to worry about drawing from a portfolio which is potentially down in the short term. So it's been a, a, a nicer conversation for decumulation clients through 2022 um, than if you perhaps had not had that in place. Izzy's right. It's a really important point. I, I think it's raised awareness from clients in terms of this phase of financial planning is addled with complexities, risks, um, you know, c- competing competing priorities, uh, particularly around pensions. There's been a lot of legislative change, tax change. You know, two years out from a general election, what does the pension landscape look like? It certainly focuses clients' thoughts towards. You know, it's a really difficult question to ask, you know, if you put somebody on the spot and say, what does retirement look like? And, they, and people sort of go, well, it might be a little bit of travel or the cruise or, you know, whatever it, whatever it might be. But it's definitely brought to the forefront the importance of having an idea of what that lifestyle might look like for each individual client. How innovative, because it just mentioned innovation, how innovative would you say is the, well, the accumulation market in general? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, like I was saying about decumulation being a bit of an alien word to a lot of people it's definitely become more mainstream now for the last few years but certainly you know five or six years ago whatever it was still a bit of a novelty um there are you know other types of strategies out there if you're in a workplace pension you're probably in some sort of lifestyling fund where if you're 25 you're going to be high equities and then if you're 65 you're going to be majority bonds um and you know as tom mentioned earlier those people who are retiring on those sorts of investments have had a massive shock over the last year um i think we kind of know that that doesn't really work for a lot of people um but it's still you know mainstay of a lot of workplace pensions so um you know urging people to look at what's actually in their their workplace pension for example would be one um Smoothed funds have been out there for years and years and years. Um, they do a job in certain markets, but they're also prone to, um, you know, unit price adjustments in periods of volatility. And I would argue don't provide the same amount of flexibility as uh, obviously a truly tailored decumulation strategy can. I think where we sit is, you know, in that tailored space. Um, when we're thinking about decumulation and we look after clients who have that um, privilege of, you know, having a good size pension pot to to rely on and be able to access strategies like ours where it is, you know, bespoke and tailored to them. I think where there's perhaps slightly less innovation is maybe in that smaller 
pot stage, you know, um, relying still on low risk bond funds for your short term, um, obviously comes with the the pitfalls that we've we've seen and and know about. So it's how you bridge that gap, perhaps. I'd I'd um, argue and challenge anyone to to find a way. Yeah, I think Izzy's covered the investment um, considerations really thoroughly. I think more from a financial planning perspective is, you know, we keep being promised this pension dashboard. Goodness knows where that's going to come. Um, you know, the amount of times I have to send the pension tracing service link to clients because simply, you know, by dint of moving jobs more regularly than perhaps previous generations, you accrue an enormous amount of pension pots, which comes with its own amount of admin, particularly when you're changing address, you might, you know, change name changes, all these factors have to be taken into account. And, and we see plenty of clients who who go, well, the one thing I want to sort out is my pension, do a pension consolidation or consider whether to do a pension consolidation. Suddenly you're ending up with, you know, a pretty sizable amount of paperwork to sit through and liaising with sort of lots of different providers is is really challenging. Um, there there are in you know innovations being suggested, such as actually the pensions follow you when you when if, if you decide to change jobs, which would be a really welcome start. But I think um, particularly from that more of an administrative framework perspective, there's an awful lot that can be done to make planning for retirement, regardless of you know age uh, and circumstances, a lot easier. I think that that's, that's one area where innovation can really play a really a large role in helping um, clients or individuals to have a better oversight, really, which is what Izzy's talking about, really, is oversight of, you know, have I got five different pensions and five different investment strategies? I hear you in that because I really didn't change jobs that often, but sure. yet I have <laughs> several pension pots already, which is insane. Yeah. But anyway, um, maybe one final question. Which factors do you think um, affect the level of drawdown or the pace of drawdown in general? Factors to consider. I mean, there's... Um, Things like that you would probably be able to guess, you know, helping children with deposits mm. for houses um, is a biggie. That's also um, can be quite short, short term in terms of I'm sure you've had clients run up to you and say, oh, my, my daughter wants to, you know, she's completing next week and I need £50,000 to help her, which um, can be tricky sometimes. But that's a consideration, you know, holidays, things like that. Um you know, new car. Um, most of us have probably on some sort of financing where, you know, every three years or whatever, you can trade in your car for a new model. Um, all sorts of things like that, I think, it's facts to consider. And that's where if you're able to have a financial advisor who you, you know, meet with annually or have communication with regularly, it um, adds real value to, I think, your decumulation strategy and having that peace of mind, um, you know, especially all of the types of software that advisors have access to now map out clients cash flow for x amount of years and eventualities and it's i think it's a real reassurance for clients that they know if anything were to crop up um you know or your gas bill's gone up by 300 percent, then what do you do um and where does that come from i think it's just reassuring to have that so um i think that can yeah obviously those are all factors that can affect drawdown yeah absolutely i think just to the only other point I'd pick up on is, is, is as an advisor, there's a lot of opportunity to demonstrate value through decumulation or pre-decumulation offering. Um, I think that the real takeaway for clients thinking about retirement is the fact that it's that you no longer have 
the ability to sort of set in stone one plan that's going to last you for 30, 35, 40 years. Um, you know, you're almost not afforded the luxury of being able to be passive and uh, in your thinking and think, well, I know that I need X thousand pounds a year from my portfolio um, and, and, and off we go because the, the landscape is, is, is a minefield from a, from a legislative tax, um, you know, societal, we've talked about care funding, we've talked about um, helping children get on the property ladder. Um, these are all factors that all lean quite heavily on a client's decumulation strategy. Um, and actually, there really isn't the, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's, it, it's quite rightly one of the areas that advisors should be focusing on um, because of the potential value that you can add to in terms of reassurance, um, behaviorally, um, psychologically, to give that comfort that can be very difficult to attain when you, know, you are subject to a very different retirement landscape to perhaps parents or grandparents um, in the past. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Advisors are more important than ever, so it seems. <laughs> Wonderful. Delightful. Thank you very much. Thank Easy you, Tom. Thanks Pleasure. very much.